Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Intern Joe, we got some echo on this side, so we're going to let you lead off things. Sounds good. Uh, welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Talking Wednesday Nights. I am one of your co-hosts, Intern Joe. I am joined by my co-host, Mike Yuva, who is behind the scenes right now trying to figure out some technical difficulties. Plenty to get to. Um, you know, we moved our show to Wednesday again this week. Try to see, tweak the numbers a little bit, see what's going on due to the baseball games, the midweek baseball games that happen on Tuesday nights. So we will, you know, keep you guys posted on any schedule changes from here on out. But a lot of stuff to get to. Spring football is officially back. Um, Beamer and the Gamecocks finally announced the spring game. Um, the spring game date. It's going to be a kickoff under the lights at williams Bryce. Should be a fun one as I am joined by my co-host, Mike Yuva. Mike, how are we doing tonight? Busy, man. And you, you can tell it's that busy time of the year because, at least with me, I'm not like one of these, you know, granted, these other people would probably be making more sense right now. I have like a bajillion tabs open. So trying to figure out which is the other one uh, and where that feedback was coming from is like going through a needle in a haystack. You found it, though, eventually. But as you alluded to, it feels like it's not even the fact that it's March 1st now, but it just feels like football 
in terms of spring football and just that new season, right? That new, the 2023 campaign, it just feels like it's, 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 it's here, right? Yeah. We're getting, we're getting closer and closer to it because as you alluded to spring football game, that date has been announced. We will get into that April 15th under the lights again at Williams Bryce spring practices. The official start date has been announced Tuesday, March 14th. And then tomorrow, and this is probably why it starts to feel like the 2023 season. Tomorrow, we're going to be able to hear from the transfers. Now, in that group, and it's going to be kind of like speed dating, it's going to be starting up at 10.45 a.m. over up the op center. And it's just going to be ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. It's going to go down the list. And then I believe at 11.15, Shane Beamer will be addressing the media. So what I can tell you is, and intern Joe, you already know this, but a lot of people out there, they always wonder in terms of, all right, when can I hear from Beamer? When can I hear from Beamer? If God forbid these things are going behind, I can promise you it will be starting up at 11.15 with Beamer or is very close to 11.15. Shane's a nice guy. He might be like, ah, take your time. But it's going to – and the reason being is they have, obviously, they live stream all that stuff and sponsors involved. So to answer that question, for people that are interested in hearing from Shane Beamer, live tomorrow, 11.15 is when he is expected to speak. They usually don't – I say usually don't. They don't um, live stream the players speaking and – I'm sure one of the reasons why they do that is they're trying to protect them. They're trying to protect them. It's just like, I roll my eyes, you know, especially doing all the NFL stuff the last couple of months. It's just like, oh, goodness, just let them go. All right, let them speak. Jesus. But, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You have an opportunity to listen to those guys um, back on our website. We'll share those guys. If you want to go listen to them on Gamecock Central's YouTube page, we'll have them all for you. Um, but you won't be able to listen to those guys live Unfortunately, intern Joe of that group of the group of the transfers. I'm going to pop up my list right here. I got mine up as well. Who are you looking forward to hearing from the most tomorrow? For me, it's an easy pick. It's Nick Gargiulo. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, he's, he's on slated to go on at nine. Um, you know, big, big, big piece, arguably one of the biggest, um, in this transfer class, um, trying to replace a, a really talented, really talented offensive line. You know, having a guy, a veteran guy from coming in from Yale, uh, who's who's got experience. One of the only captains, Mike. We talk about that a bunch. The, the captain sat one of you know the he's he continued the captain legacy at, at Yale, and that's all pretty cool and fine and dandy. But I'm really interested to hearing him speak um, and kind of update us on how everything's been going so far so good and like how, how, how the offensive line is kind of meshed, how they've, you know, gotten in, gotten comfortable with each other. I think it's going to be really interesting. And also too, just kind of, you know, you can always feel what kind of a person somebody is based on, you know, when, when you're talking to them. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of a, a leader and what kind of presence he brings in the room. I'm really excited to see that. Um, another guy is Trey Knox. Um, mm. I'm, I'm also excited to hear what he has to say. Um, and, and also uh, I'm sure he might be asked about Harbor um, and just kind of how that might work out. And I mean, just what his role is going to be because Knox is a guy who can play both wide receiver and tight end. He's coming in with Dowell. So that's, I mean, there's storylines there as well. So my two guys would be Gargiulo and Knox. And obviously they are arguably the, the, the bigger names in this class, but Gargiulo mainly to see, you know, where's heads at, how, how he plans on, you know, getting this offensive line, 
to play for each other and stuff like that and building up an offensive line around him. And then obviously Knox, because, you know, he's so versatile and, and then all the storylines coming in with Dowell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, shoot, the, the two guys I'm looking forward to hearing the most. I mean, you mentioned him, you know, Gargiulo, of course, first, and then Trey Knox. The thing about Knox that's going to be interesting is just the dynamic with him in Dow Loggins, right? Now, because he was over at Arkansas with Dow, and obviously he wasn't the offensive coordinator when Dow, when, when, you know, when, when Loggins was over in Arkansas, he was the tight ends coach. Those two guys have worked very, very close with each other. So I'm sure that's going to be something asked, right? I mean, we've, we had the story on Gamecock Central about, what, two and a half weeks ago with Alshon Jeffrey, and Alshon shared that Dow's just very direct, very direct. And I think that's always huge to have from a coach. You don't want this coach, you know, um, to kind of steal a Southernism, you know, that will say, bless your heart to you. And then as soon as you walk away, they're going to start mother effing you underneath their breath. No, just say it for what it is. Say it for what it is. That's the best way to be able to be efficient in any type of working relationship, in my opinion. So I think that will be good um, to be able to hear from him, a guy that has had the opportunity to play for him. And we can understand a little bit more his style, um, what he we can expect from him. But, you know, Trey Knox, he's going to there's going to be a lot of expectations placed on him because, again, like we've said before, whether it's right or wrong, because he's because he's played for a Dow in the past, he's going to be he's going to become a leader of this offense, whether he likes it or not. He doesn't have to be a vocal leader, but there's going to be a lot of people that will look towards him, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Kind of be like, hey, how are we supposed to do certain things? You know, so I, I think that's one. Two, you mentioned Gargiulo. Gargiulo has a huge opportunity to be able to come in here and really become a core piece of this offense. Um, right now, he's the front runner from everything that we've been told to become the center for a team that is losing Eric Douglas, who I've joked around about, has been at the program for freaking eight, nine years, for crying out loud. So you need someone that's going to come in there, understand the offense, and that will be a key, 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 key position if you want the offensive line to start clicking early. There's going to be growing pains. Anytime there's a new offensive coordinator, there's always going to be some type of growing pains. We understand that. But having a center, and you've mentioned with the Yale background, outside of his football IQ, you just hope that knowledge that he can be able to teach some of the guys around you, right? And you, know, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room to know this. If you're in the center, you're going to have two guys to the left of you. You're going to have two guys to the right of you. You're going to have to help those guys out. And there's going to be some experience coming back. But as we've mentioned before, they're losing more than 50% of their starting snaps on the offensive line, 50% over that mark. So USC, they're going to need a center that can go out there and just get everybody on the same page. There's no question about that. Outside of those two, I'm interested to hear from Eddie Lewis. I think Eddie Lewis is a type of guy that can come in here. Uh, I don't want to make comparisons with players, right? But quick guy, we expect him to, to make an impact on special teams as well. Um, you're losing a guy like Josh Van, and obviously there's some very young, talented receivers that are going to have opportunities to make plays this year. Landon Sampson being one of them, guys that we didn't necessarily get to see last year, right? Um, but there's going to be opportunities to compete for wide receiver playing time, right? But again, and you mentioned this too, you guys have like Nicholas Harbor coming in. That tight end room is so freaking packed. Oh, Will yeah. there be two tight end sets more? Because as I've said before, the position has really evolved to a be to be a hybrid position, depending on what you're being asked to do. You can put tight ends out on the slot. I mean, we've seen in the NFL um, all the time. A lot of those 
tight ends they have they're capable of blocking. But at the same time, too, a guy like Trey Knox is recruited as a receiver by Justin Stepp. So, you know, that that's kind of what I'm expected to see tomorrow. Um, and then, of course, Shane Beamer is going to be talking tomorrow. One thing that we can address right now, we don't have to get hung up on it, intern Joe, but I'm sure two things that Beamer will be asked. One, the status of Jordan Strawn. Yep. Um, Wes and Chris have done an outstanding job with their story sitting down with, with Beamer and Beamer addressed that uh, saying that, you know, everything that he's been told. And he says, I think, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he doesn't want to jinx it, but everything that he's been told, Sharon should be cleared and ready to go. He should be cleared by the NCAA. So to his knowledge, he's going to be good. The other question that he's going to be asked, I'm assuming will be, what is the status of the three football players who were suspended and you know, kicked off campus um, about what a month ago, two months ago. Um, everything's kind of blending in with each other. Obviously, the big name, and that's no disrespect to the other two guys, uh, Monty Grames, a very talented four star from Sumter, high expectations with this player. I'm sure that's going to be a question. My answer is going to be he's going to say something along the lines of. You know, I'm only going to talk about the guys that are on the team. You know, there's some things that are from a legal standpoint that I can't get into. So uh, that's kind of what I'm expecting, that we won't get a direct answer. And I don't blame Beamer because there's some things right now. What can he say? But unless there's some type of update, unless there's something new that we don't know, I think that's going to be kind of the answer. Yeah, Mike. And I, I think, I mean, going back, kind of looking at this list, another guy that kind of caught my eye, too, at the tail end of this is Sidney Fuger. Mm. Yeah, because I, I mean, we've seen all the pictures of him in, in camp and just how big he is. Um, not necessarily, I mean, just kind of hearing, you know, how he's adapted and whatnot. But I mean, I, I think just to see how big he actually is, like, I think it's it's going to be big. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, back to the rain stuff. Um, I think Beamer's going to do his best to kind of give, you know, as much, but also as little as he can. Um, I'm, I don't know if there's been any progress. With getting Rames reinstated, I know Anthony Rose was um, on campus and he has been on campus, but I know we've talked about it before, Mike. I know Rames is is the one player that, you know, is that that's the situation that or who the situation is with. So he's obviously the alleged, have, the alleged situation. Yeah. Yeah. The alleged. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he's going to have a couple more hoops to jump through than, than the others. So um, I think that's going to be really interesting. And another thing I'm interested in, um, and hearing Beamer talk about is just, I guess, what he's looking forward to from the spring and how he plans on building on the momentum from the signing class and from, you know, the two wins to cap off the year. And then, you know, um, I, obviously the bowl game was – you lost the bowl game, but it's still something to, you know, keep your head up on. You took a national brand deep. And, I mean, we've, we've had that conversation on this show plenty too, Mike. But um, – and I guess, you know, going with what I'm interested to hear from Beamer is like, you know, what he's, what his new guys have done. Um, you know, the guys that er, have early enrolled, um, I'm, I'm interested to hear if, you know, he will be asked about that and I'm, I'm sure he will be. Um, so the, the new guys, the pup Howards, um, big tree, um, I'm interested to hear how they've adapted, um, and, and, and just kind of what Beamer has to say about him because we haven't, he hasn't really been able to talk about him that much other than on signing day. But now, you know, these guys are in the program, they've been working, they've been able to, you know, 
leave their mark on the weight room and stuff like that. And so um, mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear what he, what he has to say about it and, and about all those new guys. Going back to Rames real quickly uh, from it's me, does Rames get back in school this year? I, I think that the, the tough part about it is, and I really, you know, I'm really trying to make sure that we're not walking down some political, you know, I, I really don't want to go there. Right. We understand the, the, what this state, how how guns are viewed um you know and you, it's your constitutional right all that kind of stuff i'm not even going to get into all that but we also understand that south carolina you're not supposed to have guns on campus and because of how things have been in the in the world um especially over the last couple months with guns um i think you can't ignore that again regardless of your opinions on guns i'm not trying to go down that avenue it's not the point we're not gonna it's I just think it's going to be viewed very, very closely, very closely. I'm not saying it wouldn't be viewed closely before, but I think just like in anything in life, right? When something's when something's going on, I think it's going to be viewed even closer, whether that's right or wrong. So um, I, I think the the things are from from I think, look, bottom line is this. If Rames does everything that he's supposed to, he cooperates, he does all that surely he's going to put himself in a better situation in terms of being able to hopefully take steps forward. But again, there's a lot of things that are out of his control right now. Uh, And I'm not trying to make him a victim. Bottom line is if, you know, everything that has been reported is true. And I keep saying has been true because I'm just trying to be very careful with how we word things. um, Then of course it's going to be challenging, but again, if I'm him, you just got to answer every question they're asking you. You do everything that they're telling you, um, and then hopefully you're going to have an opportunity to get back out there. I mean, it, it's it's a crappy situation. It's a very crappy situation, and there's multiple layers to it outside of that. You know, why is a player have a gun? Why is this? Why do they feel like they need to go? There's so many different layers, okay, that we don't even need to necessarily get into right now. The bottom line is a young man allegedly had a gun on campus, um, and I'm going to keep saying allege. I don't. I know there's certain things that have come out, um, but I'm going to, you know. So again, it's it's unfortunate. I, I don't I don't see it happening right now. Um, hopefully, he does get reinstated, though. But I don't think anyone's holding their breath, assuming that he's going to be back for spring football. And it's a it's a crappy situation. Um, you know, you know. Fortunately, everyone's all right, all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, I was excited. I was very excited to be able to see this young man take part in spring football. I think he is the type of player who could do some really talented things at that edge position. Really talented things. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll let things kind of play out with him. As far as spring football goes, intern Joe, we've mentioned this before. Just remind folks at home, spring break for students. When's that start up? Starts up on Sunday, technically, but I mean, on this Sunday. Weekend. Yes. Okay. All right. So, kind of like last year, gonna head spring break right before everything get going. So, very similar pattern. You get back out there, and you're gonna have a chance to really be able to to get off the ground and running. And I think the biggest difference this year, of course, is the fact that you have Spencer Rattler back there. You're going to have a new offensive coordinator, all right? We understand that. But I think having Rattler should give you some more comfort. It should give you some more comfort as a fan, and here's why. 
if Rattler wasn't here, okay, Luke Doty, one of his other quarterbacks, even though Doty has experience of being a starter, mm-hmm. and I'm going to pick on Doty for a minute because I know he's a tough kid. Even though Doty has had experience as a starter, he's not a proven starter. Not a proven starter, right? He hasn't been able to go throughout the course of a season. That's how I define proven. So it should make you feel better that you have a proven starter at quarterback heading into this season with a new offensive coordinator. Reason being is there's a lot of things that were growing pains last year with Rattler, right? I mean, think about the challenges early on in the season, whether it be the offensive line just not picking up things as quickly as they would have liked, uh, whether it be Rattler himself trying to adjust to the offense and trying to just adjust to the style of play, when to step up in the pocket, when to get out of the pocket, all those other things. So while you do have a new offensive coordinator, you also have a quarterback that has gone through this transition before. He's gone through this before. He understands what it looks like. Because, again, he was playing for a new offensive coordinator last year. So while there is a new OC, I don't think it's much different than what it was a year ago in the terms of learning. And I I truly believe, based on the things I've talked with Alshon about, and the guys that have had opportunities to speak with Dal, I truly believe there will be a quicker learning curve. I think it's going to be quicker because Dal's going to simplify things. And how many freaking times did we say that going back to last year? How many times did we say that even going back to the 2021 season that USC needed to simplify their offense? From everything we've been told, that's what Dal's going to do. He's not going to dumb it down like a freaking youth football offense, but he's going to try to do what he can to be able to figure out, A, what are the strengths and weaknesses of these players? What are the strengths and weaknesses? And not necessarily just trying to force guys into an offense that may, may not be what's best suited for them. Yeah, Mike, I think it's 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 a really big deal. Like now in spring football is where guys start to find their roles. It's where they start to develop their roles. And it, it is the guys that early enrolled as as freshmen, they do get a little bit of a head start um, on, on guys that are enrolling in the summer, granted, because like they're they're getting used to the SEC football schedule, the SEC grind, that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, I think, yeah, spring football is important because you really start to figure out what your role might look like in, in the summer and, and in the fall, most importantly. But I mean, Spring football is a microcosm. It, it leaves up to what, you know, what work there is still to be done in the summer and what you can get better at. I mean, the spring game is, is it, it is the culmination of all the work you've put in in the spring and it shows kind of where your progress is at and, and whatnot. And what, again, you need to work on going into the summer. So I think, you know, spring football is a big thing, especially for this team. Um, you know, you got a lot of new guys coming in, a lot of roles that you do have to fill, um, you know, running back position, the offensive line. There's a lot of big questions on this roster still that need to be answered. And so spring football is where you start to get an idea of some of the guys that you'd like to start filling in those spots um, and, and guys that you would like to, you know, see be in the rotation. And then, I mean, we've we've talked about the defensive side of the ball. You got, you know, question marks at linebacker. You've got question marks at edge. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested to see what happens in, with both those two positions as well as Mike. I mean, the offensive line, we've talked about it here and there. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what, what guys do play and what guys do 
you know, run reps with what teams, because again, it, it is, a, it's a small little peek into what we'll see because a lot can change over the summer and a lot can change in the fall, but I, I'm excited to see what exactly they do roll out there and what guys have stepped up so far. Well, you say you're excited about the guys that you see play excited. is not the right word that I want to use for this next topic, but I'm interested to see which guys don't play because the reality is, is this, it's going to happen everywhere. It's going to happen everywhere. It's not just USC. That second transfer portal window, it's going to be coming up soon, 15 days. There's no doubt in my mind there are going to be guys that enter the portal after spring football. It's just going to happen. The reality is, and this has happened even before the transfer portal became a thing, guys in the offseason, once they meet with their positional coach, meet with the head coach, meet with the coordinator, whoever the hell they meet with at the end of the season, they have expectations in their mind from going to whatever year it is, right? Sophomore year to junior year. doesn't matter. Freshman, sophomore year, junior year, senior year. And they have expectations in their mind as to what they're going to do that following season. They meet with their coach at the end of the year. They kind of lay out from the expectations. And sometimes they tell them, hey, this is what we need you to do in order to be able to take that next step. Sometimes – it doesn't play out that way. And it's not that a coach is lying to a player. It's just that maybe that player just wasn't able to take that next step that they were looking for. So what's going to happen when spring football finishes up? It's going to be some guys that aren't going to enter the portal. And again, I know what's going to happen. There's going to be people on the message board, on social media. They're going to be acting like the frigging world's coming to an end. Okay. Probably not as bad uh, in comparison to a couple starties leaving back in December, just because, you know, it was just like, what's going on here? It's going to happen, though, in turn, Joe. So I bring that up because there's some rooms right now that are pretty crowded. You look at the quarterback room in particular. You look at the tight end room right now. Um, that's not to say that's what I expect to see a player or two leave, but I just I, I feel like it's difficult not to acknowledge the elephant in the room. I just feel like it's difficult to, and guys are going to want playing time that might not be seeing their role, getting an early taste of it for 2023 after spring ball. And they kind of, they're like, you know what? Mm. And they might enter the portal. So I bring that up because again, there's some positions right now where rooms are kind of crowded. Um, and there's also going to be some rooms like running back that South Carolina will probably explore through the transfer portal after this spring. Oh, yeah. So when you look at what USC has, obviously Braswell is going to be coming in in the uh, winter. I mean, um, in the summer, uh, the running back from Georgia. But you're going to need to bring in some more talent uh, at certain positions. A running back is certainly one of them. But again, you're looking at some of these depth charts. charts that Boston accent comes out. Don't be shocked. Don't be shocked to see some of these guys enter the portal. It's it's inevitable. It's going to happen everywhere across college football to some degree. Yeah, Mike, absolutely. And I think Steven's question was was valid because they will go look into the portal, um, you know, based on spring football and because you're going to have a lot more guys hitting the portal. Um, and so it's just another opportunity to fill in the gaps and, and versus what you lose, what you don't lose. Um, it, it's big. It's just like it's a second um, round of, of the transfer portal buzz and whatnot. Uh, it's just not as extreme as it was back in December um, when, when it fully opened up and teams were starting to finish. But I mean, the spring window is also just as equally important, um, I think, 
So it's going to be really interesting to see who they pull. I, I agree. Running back. I mean, you can never have too many running backs, even though you have an established player there in Juju McDowell. I mean, you just, you never know what's going to happen. Knock on wood uh, to, you know, these running backs and everything. And uh, looking at the defensive line, I mean, you have a little bit of depth, but I mean, it's always nice to go get another D tackle um, more depth at linebacker, even though you've got plenty right now. Um, so I, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see what they do and who hits a portal too from other schools. If any big names decide to transfer, um, or, or, or any anybody that's upset with their situation, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who they pull in. Well, you mentioned Juju, and obviously the circumstances. It's it's one of those things. It's always been by committee, and I and I said this earlier on a different show. It's not like this is the nineteen you know nineteen eighties, seventies, even the nineties. Running backs aren't going to be carrying the ball 35, 40 plus times a game. It's just not going to happen. Now, will there be players out there throughout the country where they are the outliers? They are the exception occasionally, of course, just like anything in life. You're not going to have everything going to be the exact same. But the thing about Juju that's interesting, obviously this past year playing behind guys like Marshawn Lloyd, um, even Jaheim Bell had some carries, of course, at running back. You look at the year prior, Kevin Harris was there, right? He was the workhorse. Ironically, ironically, and I know I'm missing some other guys in in between there, but you know those are the names that that ring the ring a bell, I think, to most people in terms of who were taking up the majority of the carries. Ironically, Juju had more carries his freshman season in terms of career highs. First two games, twelve carries, eleven carries, twelve against Eastern Illinois, and then eleven against. East Carolina Uh, this past season nine carries was his high so I bring those things up because I don't see Juju being the guy that's going to be carrying the ball 20 plus times in a game anyway Um, now are there going to be games maybe where he does that yeah I just feel like because of his unique skill set the value that he brings just being able to get him the ball out in space as well He's he's a good he's a good pass catcher, oh, right? Yeah. Whether it's going to be screen passes, swing passes, um, putting him out on the slot, just giving him the ball out in space. Because of his size, you don't want to get him beat up in between the tackles, giving him the ball twenty something plus times each game. It's just not going to happen. So okay, you got Juju there. Another guy that everyone's going to want to talk about this spring is going to be Lavasier Carroll. What is he going to look like? Is he going to be a guy that's going to have an opportunity to put himself in a position where he's competing for the number two spot, if not the number one spot? I don't even know how I look at it yeah. in terms of that number one spot because, again, Juju, because of his unique skill set, I don't think he necessarily has to be the guy that's starting every week. And I know some people just love – you know, being able to know, all right, this is my starting receiver. This is my starting running back. This is my start. I'm telling you right now, telling you right now, I understand there's a new OC in town, but don't be shocked to see a bunch of oars each week on the, on the, on the depth chart when it comes out. Don't be shocked, especially in that running back room. Yeah. I mean, Bimmer used the oars a lot last season. So I, I think it just provides options and also gives Dowell um, and Clayton White both a chance to kind of, you know, let the guys play it out, see who's playing well. 
you know, and, and obviously you're going to do that in the, in the middle of the game anyways, but I mean, just kind of as the week goes on, like they released the depth chart, you know, pretty, pretty soon um, early on in the week. So it gives guys or guys haven't really had a full week of practice. And Beamer's kind of talked about that, how, how you, how uh, well you practice the week of um, impacts how well or how much you're going to play. So I think, you know, the oars are definitely going to be there and, and definitely in full force, Mike. Yeah. So again, it's a position that I'm not going to be shocked that South Carolina is going to want to add to after spring ball. That doesn't mean they're not satisfied with the players that they have in that room. But again, when you just look at what has transpired for them at that running back position, and, and some of it also has to do with the fact that before this year, before bringing in Dontavius Braswell out of Washington County from Georgia, who absolute speed demon, absolute speed demon. Um, I know from his junior year, he ran, I think it was like a 10 seven in the hundred meters. And then he ran a sub 22 in the 200 meters. I think it was like 21.99. So, um, that's what I remember from his junior year. I'm not a hundred percent sure what he ran this past year in track and field. Um, so some of those numbers could be better, but he's a speedy guy, five eleven, just over 200 pounds. Um, you got some young, talented guys back there, but the problem is the year before that South Carolina didn't recruit any running backs. So it's it's one of those things that now it's just like, all right, what are we what are we going to do here? What are we going to do um, in terms of coming out of high school? Let me just put that, you know, make sure I explain. I, I say that clearly. I just think, I think it's just what, what South Carolina has been doing so much with the tight end position. It makes me wonder how much of those guys are going to see time at wide receiver, because I truly believe that we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets. I truly believe we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets, especially if spring football goes the way that Dow Loggins wants it to go, that Beamer wants it to go, if certain guys are able to excel. Now, when you talk about the depth at tight end, not all those guys are going to be able to play this year. We understand that. There's some guys that they're bringing in this year that they're hoping to be able to fill voids after this year because, I mean, they're, they were, I mean think, think about how – much of a skeleton crew it really was for that bowl game, especially once Nate Atkins got hurt. So you needed to really reload at that position, but you have some talented freaking guys there. And I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as to say that Nicholas Harbor is going to come in here, be a day one start. I don't think that's going to be the case. I really don't. I think he's gradually going to get better. Um, and I'm not going to put that on any freshman that comes in, especially a position that, it's not like it's running back. You just hand off the ball and just run. Obviously, vision's important, all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. it's going to be dependent on the relationship he builds with Spencer Rattler. But on top of that, how's the offensive line performing? Are you going to be able to put a guy out there to go run more routes? Or are you going to need someone to stay in and block more to help the quarterback get the ball off? So multiple pieces moving around there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, th- there's going to be guys in that wide receiver room that they're really going to have to be frigging fighting for playing time because, again – if they do want to go with two tight end sets, that just means one less receivers out there. Yeah, Mike. And I mean, Dowell ran it a bunch in, in the NFL. We've looked, we've seen that we've, we've um, people have kind of dove into that a little bit. And it's a very, you know, pro style offense having the two tight ends out there. I see it a lot all the time on Sunday. 
but yeah, exactly. Kai Kroger being the the best backup quarterback, snubbed on every quarterback watch list for the SEC. Six for six passing in his career. It's ridiculous. I mean, it, he's he should be starting, Mike. Don't <laughs> don't quote me on that, but he should be starting. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, where was I? Oh yeah, no. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Dowell does it, but. Um, yeah, well, I think we'll see a lot of two tight end sets, but they are obviously it's spring ball, so you're not going to roll out your entire offense. Yep. Um, but, you know, I, I think he will run a lot of two tight end sets. And, I mean, the wide receiver room's always been competitive. We've seen that. So, um, but anyways, Mike, you want to tell us who we are sponsored by? Yes, sir. We are sponsored by our guy, Clint Hamming. Clint Hamming has been a longtime supporter of Gamecock Central and has been a longtime sponsor of GC Live. Give him a call over at the Mortgage Network at 803-576-4450 to be able to have him help you out the same way he was able to help out former Gamecock quarterback and captain Perry Orth, as well as our own Wes Mitchell when they were going through the process of purchasing a new home. At this time of the year, people are looking to buy homes. Rates, cross our fingers but it looks like they're slowly starting to get better. So if you want to buy a home, Clint can be able to help you out and make that process a hell of a lot easier. And today's program, Joe, is also brought to you by Liberty Tax. Yeah, Mike, tax ID is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax and Irmo Lexington in Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. So if you're hurry, in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood, open 9 to 9 on weekdays, 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents, and when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. You can give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, their number is 803-462-5576. Give them a call for all of your tax needs this tax season. All right. Intern Joe. Absolutely. So let's keep moving it along, okay? So we talked a lot about the offense. Defensively. It's going to start with Nick Eamon Worry on the, the other side. And that's no slight against any other player on defense. Okay. It's no slight. Some very talented guys coming back. I'm excited to see what a healthy Boogie Huntley can look like. You know, cross your fingers that he can have a healthy season because, my goodness, um, what a force he can be, especially when he is healthy. And they're going to need him to be. But where USC is defensively right now, the fact that you were able to bring in a kid that became a essentially a day one starter because of an injury. I mean, Nick went in there on what the back end of that first series, stayed out there for that second series, and he did not look back. You know, kind of like a uh, a Wally Pip situation, right? Lou Gehrig comes in and the Iron Horse. So I bring all that up because there's going to be a lot of expectations on Nick Eamon Worry this year. That's just the reality of it. What can Nick do from year one to year two? Is he going to be able to have that growth that you're hoping he's going to have? I don't. I hate the whole phrase sophomore slump. 
I do feel like it is a real thing, though, and the real reason it, it becomes a thing is just because of the mindset, the mentality. And a lot of it has to do with just the external noise surrounding a player. In this case, as we know, there's going to be a lot of buzz around Nick going into this season. How is he able to manage that? How is he able to handle it? Um, from my brief time of being around him, from going back to even when I covered him in high school, he seems like a kid that is very locked in on what he's doing. Okay. And as we've seen, especially in recent years, I mean, you could go back to the DJ Swearinger days, but in recent years, seeing some of the talented defensive backs USC has had, they have been able to get better from year one to year two. Now, of course, Nick was a freshman All-American, but you think of the Cam Smiths of the world. You think of the J.C. Horns of the world. You just think of that growth between freshman year to sophomore year. That's what you need from Nick this year. That's what you need. And he's a guy that is going to be a leader on that defense. He's going to be a leader out there on that defense. Uh, you have him in back there, DQ Smith, the way he was able to grow as the season went on, the things that he was able to do in that Gator Bowl. He's another player that a lot of people are going to be looking towards to have another big year. That back end makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. Obviously, you're going to be losing some guys in the secondary, right? You're going to be trying. We've talked about this before. Um O'Donnell Fortune, right? Trying to figure out, okay, who's going to be the corners? Who's going to be your nickel? You know, there's going to be some question marks as far as that is concerned. But the back end should make you feel a little bit better. But as I've said before, I don't care who the hell's in your secondary. You have to be able to put a pass rush on. And as we've mentioned with Jordan Strawn before, I'm not going to hold my breath that if everything, knock on wood, goes the way that, Shane Beamer says it's been going, at least everything that he's been told. I'm not going to say that Strawn's going to be the type of player that I thought he was going to be going into last season because I think there is that mental hurdle that you need to overcome anytime you're coming back from a lower body injury. Hopefully he is able to overcome that. It's difficult that first season back. The unfortunate reality is for him, he doesn't have two more years. So it's now or nothing. So, to me, anything that Strawn does this season is the cherry on top. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath for him to have this outstanding season, um, but I do think he's capable of still doing extraordinary things. It just comes down to how quickly can he overcome that mental hurdle, a mental hurdle that some players, I don't think they really understand until they're out there. Marshawn Lloyd, Nick Muse, right? We didn't get to see Luke Doty that much, but now he's at least had an extra year to come back from his lower body injury. How quickly is Jordan Strong going to be able to overcome that? And if he can do that, it's only going to add to that defensive line that you're hoping is going to be able to put some pressure on quarterbacks to be able to help out that back end. Yeah, Mike, I think Eamon Worry is the default leader of this defense um, just because based off his play last year. I'm excited to see what Mo Kaba can bring. Um, mm. you know, that's another player that, you know, he's he should be on a vengeance tour, um, you know, getting sidelined last year because of injury and stuff like that. That's It's a guy that you want. I mean, he's prototypical Clayton White linebacker. Clayton White is a big fan of Mokaba's game, and I think he fits in very well with this system. Uh, that's one guy that I'm looking at, obviously Boogie Huntley too, and I'll get to that in a second. But Mokaba is the guy that, I mean, he's he's the Mike linebacker. He's right in the middle. 
he's the guy that you want to anchor your defense. And again, I'm knocking on wood here. Hopefully he can stay healthy, but I think he's very talented and he's going to be one of the guys that, you know, kind of, I don't want to say comes out of nowhere because the Mike linebacker, you notice in every game, but I think, you know, he's one of the underrated names on this defense that people are going to get to know really quickly. Um, Boogie Huntley, obviously, again, knocking on wood, you want him to be healthy. And when he, when Boogie Huntley is healthy, he's, he's a force inside and you pair him up with Tonka Hemingway on, at the defensive tackle spot. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a really, really good, uh, you know, matchup when you have those two playing together, playing well, playing cohesively and both healthy. I think, you know, that, that, that could cause some problems. Jordan Strawn is, is the other question mark. Uh, you do have Debo Williams on the outside as well, kind of back and drawn up um, from the linebacker spot. You're going to see a lot. But another guy like Marcellus Dial is one of those guys that, you know, he produced last year because, you know, they weren't throwing the ball to Cam Smith. They stopped throwing the ball to Darius Rush. Yep. So Marcellus Dial was the guy who stepped up, right? So I, I think it's going to be really interesting. Obviously, Marcellus didn't have the greatest game against Notre Dame when he was in that primary spot. Um, which is all right. That happens. Um, and they were still throwing at him a qu quite a bit. Uh, but I, I, I think that's just one game. I think, you know, now that he has spring ball, he's, he's got summer ball. As long as he stays, you know, competitive and stays working, I think that number one cornerback spot is, is his. You know, he's just got to stay working on it. And, you know, um, I think he'll, he'll step up, rise to the challenge, um, work out the kinks in his game a little bit. Um, but I, I think he'll be good. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, my eyes are on Mokaba. Um, I think, you know, we'll see a lot of Stone Blanton as well at that mm. linebacker spot. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Debo Williams, Stone Blanton. I mean, there's there's an endless bag of linebackers. Our good friend Pop Howard could see him a little bit too. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, those are the guys that, that could step up. And then, obviously, even Worry, uh, you know, sophomore slump or not, I think he's still going to be a very, very big part of this Gamecock defense moving forward. Um, and especially in like 2023, you know, he'll be a leader on this defense. Um, and it's funny saying that as, as a sophomore that he will be, but <laughs> just the way he played last year and with, with the presence that he had on the field last year, I think it's safe to say, Mike, right. Like that he will kind of be, you know, a leader um, as much as you can be, you know, as a defensive back playing at safety, it's a little bit easier than at cornerback, but we saw Cam Smith and Darius rush do the same thing. But, yeah, you know. and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I think some people sometimes when they look at it, it's just like, well, we don't have veterans out there. Obviously, they have veterans, but it's just, it's just different. It's just different. And I think the thing about Eamon Worry that makes it should excite you more than anything is that that wasn't a guy that necessarily was, you know, it, it kind of just happened. It kind of just happened more than anything. And the fact that he was able to kind of just grow into his own as quickly as he did, it became a spark. It really did. Um, RJ Roderick decided to leave the team to pursue another opportunity later on. And look, things like that, it's going to happen. Uh, I think we all, we, we kind of joked around about it towards the end of last season, man, it would have been nice for RJ to stick around because it would have given you that depth. So I think, look, the biggest takeaway that I have in all of this, is that from a defensive standpoint, there's a lot of positions right now that are still up in the air. Um, guys are going to be competing for, you know, we say this every year, right? Coach to coach talk more than anything. Well, you know, look, you know, that position's open. This position's open. Every position's open. I truly believe when you look at the defensive side of the ball, there's a lot of positions that are freaking open. 
They really are. And I would not be shocked to see some of those positions filled by sophomores. You know, Eamon Worry, of course, DQ Smith. I think those are the two names that come to mind that a lot of fans would say. But you go down the list, Stone Blanton, as you mentioned, intern Joe. He's a guy that's going to have an opportunity to see some serious playing time. We noticed that he started to see more snaps defensively in that Vanderbilt game. He started to play more in special teams as well. He was playing on special teams. But once you hit that mark, and I've had that conversation with Pete Lumbo before, once you hit that mark and you know you're going to be playing in more than four games, of course, last year going into bowl season, the NCAA changed the rule, which allowed players to play in five games, but again, four regular season games. So once they knew that Stone was going to hit that overmark of that four, it just became easier to say, all right, let's get him out there more on defense, right? We're going to be playing him. Why not? Uh, and that's why you saw his snaps go up defensively. You saw him out there more on special teams. He's a guy that moves very well for his size. Very oh, yeah. well. Um, I know just a side note, I think people have been able to see this, but I see this question asked sometimes uh, what he's going to do about his baseball career right now. His focus is just on football, just on football. So um, again, I think some people have been able to put two and two together because they haven't seen him out there on the baseball diamond. But I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, I'm all for players, especially going through high school and middle school, all that kind of stuff, playing multiple sports. And I, I'm not against college athletes playing multiple sports. One of my good friends, who I know put a lot of smiles on your face, intern Joe, played at Notre Dame, Pat Connington. He was a phenomenal three-sport athlete when I played with him in, in high school. Uh, he focused in on two sports at Notre Dame. He was a captain in both. And he's been very successful getting drafted in both of them. And now he's with the Milwaukee Bucks. But I bring that up because, yeah, guys can play two sports. Nicholas Harbor, he's going to be doing that. Mm. But for Stone, for Stone, I think where he is right now, being able to focus in on football, I think it's going to excel, excel, accelerate his opportunities to really be seeing some serious playing time his sophomore year as opposed to if he was focused on both. That's not saying that he's not capable of doing it yeah, and being able to play both sports. But I think focusing in on what you got to do as a football player, I think it's going to put him in a prime position. I mean, if he wants to be able to do the baseball route and he goes out there, Mark Kingston gives him that opportunity, then so be it. But I think being able to go out here, have that opportunity to grow this spring and being around spring football as opposed to his time being with baseball right now, I think it's only going to help him. I think it's only going to help him. Oh, so, yeah. um, again, Stone's a guy that I have high expectations for this season. High expectations. It's a position that we talked about the number of linebackers they have. They That's don't really have one. proven linebackers in comparison to years past. And it's weird. You're not going to have a guy like Brad Johnson out there. There's going to be guys that – it's you're going to have some young talent at that linebacker room, some talented guys at that, but really a golden opportunity for guys like stone. And like you mentioned, even pup. Yeah. I mean, the, this uh, linebacker room, in my opinion, I, I think it's deep, but you're right, Mike, it's unproven, but the talent level that's in that room is just so untapped. Right. Like, again, yeah. like I was talking about a guy like Mo Kaba. Yeah, last season was hurt. Um, and again, knocking on wood, hopefully it doesn't happen again and whatnot. But I think, you know, 
all of, like the potential is there for this linebacker room. It just hasn't shown itself on the field yet. And going back to Stone, every, like I asked around at the baseball scrimmages in the fall, I'm like, because he was on the fall baseball roster, oddly enough. But uh, I asked around, I'm like, what, what's the deal with this? And he's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, my people were telling me, it's like, you know, the plan was for him to play fall baseball, but they didn't expect him to get in as much as he did with all the injuries last year. And so mm-hmm. now football has become the priority. It always was um, the priority. Um, but I think, you know, now, like, you're right, guys can do both, and we'll see that with Nicholas Harbor. And I was chatting with one of my friends on the track team, and it's funny because I, I did want to bring this up because they're as equally as excited as we are to see him run. Um, one of my buddies, he's in one of my classes. He runs the three mile and I'm like, you guys have seen him. Like, what's it like? And he's like, dude, it's so quick, so fast. So I, I think that's, it's going to be fun to watch, not only watch him run track, but also get here and, 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 and um, integrate into Dowell's offense. Cause I know, I mean, Dowell's he's, he's been drawing up plays ever since, you know, he started recruiting them and stuff like that. So I think that's going to be interesting, but yeah, Mike, I mean, defensively, I mean, we kind of pretty much covered it all. Um, I think, you know, this defense has the potential to, to really turn some heads um, compared to last year where, you know, there were some games where it's kind of head scratching, right? You had a lot of guys in and out. Um, and again, hopefully knocking on wood, you don't have that same thing this year where, you know, you can keep a vast majority of guys healthy and keep, you know, the same core group of guys in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, so hopefully that happens. And, um, Mike, I do want to ask you this. If, if, I mean, we, we covered what position they would want to beef up on offense and you answered the running back room, what, what position would you like to see them beef up on defense? If any, I think the easiest one would be saying edge. Um, yeah. but I also think too, you can never, you can never have enough defensive backs, never have enough defensive backs. And mm-hmm. when you look at the cornerback room right now, and even the nickel situation, I don't think it's ever bad to be able to look out and explore being able to bring a guy in at that position. Um, And it's a position that if you bring the right guy in, they can pick up fairly quickly. You know, obviously the one that I, I, I always bring up as an example. And I really think, I mean, I go back Taylor Edwards. I remember even Connor Shaw was in on it. Bless you. Thank you. Um, Sorry. <laughs> these guys were very, very Tory and great. They were very high when they brought in very high on Carlin's Patel when they brought him in and Carlin's came in here. And I mean, shoot, think about it. He didn't even have a chance to play the previous season because of COVID right. Division two football didn't even play. So he comes back out there and then he starts the last six, seven games at nickel. So I bring that up because you can never have too many guys at that position. You can never have too much depth, but if you find a guy that has the abilities to play nickel, why not? Why not be able to bring them in? Impressive. Yeah. Good control. <laughs> I, Talking about the sneeze there. I know. I hit I hit the mute button on my mic. This pollen is kicking my rear, man. I, I, it was funny. Shout out to my guy, Typical Gamecock. For, he tweeted today. He's like, pollen's really kicking my butt. And sure enough, I'm sitting on my couch laughing about oh, it. Oh, we saw it. What was it? Was it two weeks ago? I was on here and I looked like I was, you know, I got punched in the stomach. I mean, my oh, yeah. eyes were watering up from it all. Um, I was laughing at typical Gamecock. I'm like, yeah, it hasn't hit me yet. But then sure enough, as, as I walk by all, all the flowery bushes by my apartment, it sneaks like, up on the intern. Oh, it, it really does. But yeah, no, I, I appreciate, appreciate it. Top game. I, I literally, I timed it up with the, with the mute button on my mic over here. So, uh, 
yeah, I couldn't couldn't remove myself from stream quickly enough, but you know, I appreciate it. So anyway. going back, but going back, going back to the corner situation for South Carolina, that nickel spot, USC was really fortunate last year to have a guy like Cam Smith mm-hmm. who had the ability to play both inside and outside. So again, when you look at USC's signing class for this year, as I go through, you have a lot of safeties they've brought in. A lot of safeties. You have athletes as well. From a cornerback standpoint, I'm just looking at it from a depth standpoint right now. I think they need to add more depth there. I think they need to add more depth at corner. Um, and again, and again, you mentioned some of the guys. I mean, we mentioned um, O'Donnell Fortune. I mean, we, we could keep going down the list. I need someone that also has the ability to be the guy that you can count on just playing nickel, just straight up, just straight up. And I'm not saying USC doesn't have that right now, but when you look at it, what would you prefer? prefer right? Would you like o- O'Donnell to play corner or nickel based on what they have right now? Currently, I'd like O'Donnell Fortune at nickel i think he has the athleticism to kind of play both um again like he's another guy that didn't i mean obviously the pick six in the bowl game but if you take that out of the equation he didn't have a great bowl game but i think he's looked he's another guy with untapped potential we talk about it with this defense you know because you graduated you're you're yeah you graduated cam smith you graduated Darius rush not graduated but they moved on uh, but you, you know, I think he's another guy that has untapped potential. I would like to see him in the nickel. Uh, but I think he can do both, Mike. I think it's just as good. Um, but I don't know. I, I got to look at the, look at the roster again to see who I'd like in that spot at nickel. Um, I, I think, a an interesting case would be to play even worry there, but I think you need even worry back at safety. Um, just with his length, athleticism, and whatnot. I think you need him back there to, you know, make tackles and stuff like that. I think, you know, but it would be interesting to see if you put Eamon Worry at nickel, um, see what, what what would happen there. But, um, yeah, Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm, the, the, the tricky part about it all, the tricky part about it all is that you look at, Marcellus Dial, right? Mm. And you mentioned Marcellus earlier. I really like what Marcellus has done um, in terms of his growth. He really took a, a big step forward this past season. And the fact that he was able to do that, while you also had Cam Smith there, and you also had Darius Rush, who put together a phenomenal season, which I know we really don't have as much time to get into the combine. We'll kind of hit on it towards the end. Um, you know, David Spalding is back, right? Yep, Spalding, Peyton Williams. Yeah. Well, you have, and again, it's a clutch phrase that I fall back on all the time when I say it, but it's just talking about proven depth. Proven. That's not to say that some of these guys can't come in here and make an impact right away um, or be able to, to to pick up right where some of these guys left off. But it – because, like, we started with Nick. Nick was thro- Nick was frigging thrown into it. He was thrown into the fire week one. 
He was thrown into the fire week one because uh, RJ Roderick went down. Um, so look, and I'm going through it. David Spalding, as you mentioned before, Spalding's a Spalding's another guy that I could see competing for that nickel spot. Um, if they feel more comfortable with him there, you know, yeah, because we've like seen he, he 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 had experience of playing some some nickel more so two years ago I think before before Carlins came in there he was playing more so that nickel position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's David Spalding has some length on him too, right? I mean, he's six one, but he's his his arms are really really long. We've seen that. I, I like that take. Um, I, I, I think I don't know. I mean, nickel's going to be interesting. It's the nickel spot. I mean, Cam has talked about this um, in his press conferences that the nickel spot is the primary spot for um, you know defensive backs in Clayton's defense. So it's you it's need a nice it. spot. It's 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 so freaking important in turn, Joe, because right. the game has really evolved. Where we talked about that hybrid position on offense, right? That tight end. That more so is just he's big in body, but he's more so just playing in the slot as a receiver. You need to have someone that is lengthy. You need to have someone that is quick. The angles are much different. When you're playing boundary compared to the field, the boundary side, the ball's going to be coming out much quicker, right? Think about it. There's less field to work with over there. Quarterback thrown to the boundary side. You need someone to be able to react. Well, with that nickel position, if you're playing towards the boundary at nickel, depending on the situation, that ball's going to come out even quicker. You're playing towards the field in that nickel spot. The ball's going to be coming out even quicker, right? So you need to be able to do everything. You need to be able to cover guys. You need to be able to be a short tackler. You need to be very intelligent. And you also need to be able to be someone that they can depend on, which South Carolina has been able to find some guys to do that over the last two years. So that's not to say the true corner positions aren't important. But as we saw last year even, right, Cam Smith, he played a good chunk of his playing. A good chunk of his playing time came. At nickel. And the reason being is that's how valuable that's how valuable that position is on defense, as you mentioned with Clayton White's defense. I do want to bring up what Baxter just asked. Why did you not mention Mario Anderson? I think he will be the every down back. He can get the tough inside yards, but he has a burst to break the long one. Again, another Division II guy coming in. If Beamer has proven anything over the last couple of years, and you know, one of those guys wasn't a Beamer guy with Jalen Brooks, when Brooks was on the field this past season, he was really able to take tremendous strides from his first day at USC in comparison to his final season. Um, So I'll lump him in there just because he worked with Beamer the last two years, more so obviously this past season because he missed a good chunk the previous year for being away from for personal reasons. And then obviously mentioned Carlin's Patel. Mario's another guy that I feel like Baxter, he can be – an impact player. Now the question is, is this when you hear about making an impact with the team, I think so many people get so caught up on the fact of, okay, are they going to be, you know, leading the sec in yards or touchdowns, wherever the case may be. Right. I think with Mario's situation, because of his size, because of how just bulky he is, it's kind of that thunder and lightning with Juju. It doesn't have to necessarily be, a guy that starts every freaking game. He really does not have to be that case. It doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he's going to be able to do things that USC needs to have right now. They need to. Um, yeah. Lavoisier Carroll, what is he going to look like 
What is he going to look like this upcoming season? What is he going to be able to do? Because obviously before he transferred in, he was playing defensive back at Georgia. So obviously he's been able to get some extra work at running back. But what does that look like this spring? Can we get an early taste of it? Can we get some, can we get to see it a little bit first before we start drooling over? Oh my goodness. Lavoisier Carroll is going to be playing running back. I think with Mario, it's more so just being able to be that guy that they need, right? You're losing Marshawn Lloyd, obviously a physical back. You're losing Christian Bale Smith, obviously another physical back. You need a physical back back there. You don't need necessarily, like I said, a guy that's going to carry the ball 25, 30 plus. You just don't need that, right? You're not going to, it will happen occasionally. And that's not a bad thing. Um, I said 25, maybe there'll be some 25s in there, but 30 plus carries in there a game. But um, yeah, I, I think with Mario, it's more so just being what that, that, that need is. And I feel like basically from watching his tape at Newberry um, from all my years of covering Newberry as well, they have produced some very talented guys, some very talented players. And I would not be shocked to see Mario Anderson come in here, make an impact, but at the same time too, let's not forget, he has two years of eligibility remaining. So it doesn't he doesn't necessarily need to come out there and whatever he does this year, you just tell yourself, oh man, that's what he's gonna be. You know, what Mario does in 2023, uh, that's what he is. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I really don't. Um, but he's not dumb, and I'm sure it's been explained not just to the running backs in turn, Joe, but to the entire team. Like, hey, look. If there's a talented guy out there in the portal, we're going to bring him in here. So that running back room, you start looking around, it's a little bit thin in comparison to some of the other positions, right? You have to be realistic with yourself and say, hey, look, I have an opportunity. This is talking about all those running backs. I have an opportunity to put myself ahead of maybe player X, player Z, player Y. But at the same time, too, that doesn't mean – there's not going to be another running back or two in here on top of the fact that you're going to be bringing in Braswell come August. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think Mario Anderson is another depth piece. I, I talked about it. Um, but one thing I'm really interested to see, you brought him up, Mike is Lavoisier Carroll. And like I was talking about earlier, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who plays and who doesn't play in the spring game. Um, but I think it, it's going to be a battle between Carroll and Anderson to kind of, I mean, they're different types of running backs, but I mean, I'm really excited to see what Labossier Carroll can do this spring. It's going to be really, really interesting. Um, Cause again, untapped potential, Mike, we talk about it. We talk about it. We talk about it, but Carroll is one of those guys that we really haven't seen that often. Um, and he's had all off season to work. He's had all last season to kind of work and, and, and hit the weight room and whatnot. So I'm excited to see LC and I'm also excited to see, uh, um, Mario Anderson too, bigger back, kind of you know filling in the role that uh, Christian Bill Smith and, and, and Marshawn Lloyd were kind of playing last year. We talked about that a couple weeks ago as well. Mm-hmm. Eli asked, any freshman you think has a realistic shot at cracking the two deep between corner or nickel? Well, I think I think when you look at it, I want to kind of pull these freshmen up here. Um. A lot of these guys that South Carolina went after, yes, they've played safety, but there's some of them, you know, that also have the ability to play corner if need be, right? Um, Cam Upshaw is one of those guys. Cam Upshaw is a good one, yeah. Um, Cam is a guy between his speed 
and it's it's weird, right? He's just under six three, just under two hundred pounds. He's lengthy. He's very lengthy, and I think with his unique skill set, because of that speed, he also has uh, that he demonstrated in, in track and field as well. I believe he was a track and field athlete. If I'm making, I hope I'm not making that up. I believe he was one of the track and field. Oh yeah. Um, thank you. Um, all these athletes are kind of, you know, at this time of the year, but I think the unique thing about him is because he's played that safety position, he's also been able to gain knowledge that you can't experience until you're actually out there on the field. And while safety and nickel are different, there's a lot of similarities with it because again, you're going to be put in situations where you're going to be matched up against guys that could be a little bit bigger than you could be a little faster than you. It all depends what the matchup is, but because of that experience of playing safety, I think it does translate over. Not every guy that plays safety is going to be able to play nickel. They're not going to be quick enough. That's just the reality of it. They're not going to be quick enough. That's why you see more so, more so the the cases corners playing nickel because they have that speed. But it doesn't mean that they're going to be a good nickel. You need to be lengthy. You need to be lengthy. You don't necessarily have to be tall. You know, I've known a lot of good nickels that have not necessarily been the tallest guys in the world. Right? You think of Malcolm Butler. The play that he made in the Super Bowl. Malcolm's not a tall guy. Shoot. I remember when Malcolm was playing at West Alabama. He was going up against receivers at Florida. But the thing that Malcolm had outside of the lengthiness is that he was very sound with his technique. We've said that before with Carlin's Patel. I mean, I, I, I can – I'll always show love to Carlin's, but – it's the God's honest truth. You talk to anyone on that coaching staff, what allowed Carlins to be able to get on the field as quickly as he did and to be a week-in, a week-out starter? He was sound with his technique. And the ironic part about it is before Carlins arrived at USC, he had never played nickel before. Never. Never played nickel. Division yeah. two, played corner. High school at Everett, corner. Never played nickel before. So – there's some guys you look at upshot, you look at some of these other safeties out there that could possibly again, safety because of the coaching between Clayton white and Tori and gray. That's another part of it that should not be overlooked. They have done a phenomenal job of coaching up that position. If they feel like they can get a player to give them the most at that position, they're really going to ride them to play that position. Eli just adds one more thing in turn show before you have that thought. Have we heard any news about Alpshaw? Was any part of that three trouble intern Joe, didn't you mention, you mentioned that he's been on campus? No. So um, Anthony Rose, I believe. Rose. Yep. He posted something on his Instagram story. So I'm not, I mean, I don't want to assume anything, but from all everything that I've gathered and again, don't take this with a grain of salt. I believe those two, are on campus and it is just the individual issue with Rames, but I, I don't have any confirmation of that. Um, but yeah. And I think, and I think, and I think unless, unless Beamer gives us some type of update tomorrow. Yeah. I don't think we'll know. If I just had to take a guess, um, I would not be shocked to see Upshaw back by August. Yeah. I agree. Um, so again, that's, that's not putting that in stone. 
Let's not go say, oh, Mike Yuba said he's coming back. It's done deal. No. But I, I think it's trending in that direction. If not, you know, already like intern Joe said with the, with, with Rose already. Um, so again, if he's able to go through all those, you know, what he needs to that process in order to be able to get back in school first and foremost, and then be back in the football team. Upshaw is a guy that I could see competing realistically for a uh, two deep spot, especially at that nickel position. But again, I would not be shocked if Clayton, Clayton White, Tory and Gray, they work with one of those safeties. And I'm not saying necessarily it has to be DQ Smith or Nick Eamon. I don't think Nick's moving. I don't think Nick's moving one bit. Um, DQ Smith could be an interesting one. Um, but I think it's more so going to be who can they coach up. And sometimes, honestly, and some people, and you hear this sometimes about like wrestlers, like WWE wrestlers, right? A lot of those guys like it when they can coach up a guy that has no experience whatsoever in wrestling. The reason being is they don't have to break bad habits. So I say that because in a sense, there's a lot of similarities to coaching up a nickel. You don't have to break bad habits of someone playing. You know what I mean? Intern Joe, you're able to kind of teach them already. So it's not, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's more of a, can you pick up what we're asking you to do? Can you pick up what we're asking you to do? So I, I, I think I think USC has done a phenomenal job of, of coaching it up. And um, I think that's one thing to keep yeah. in mind. Intern Joe, real quickly, because I don't we don't want to go too long. Spring football game, as we alluded to before, under the lights. You like it again? You like it? I do. I yeah, I mean, and it's it's after Masters Week, so so Shane can get, you know, make sure. And I, obviously you're wearing your hat, so I'm bringing this up. But yeah. I know. March, you got to start bringing out the Masters gear. Oh, of having master's gear in the Midlands, you got to let everyone know you have master's gear. I have a closet full of it. Um, and if you want some, I'll, I'll snag you some this year too, as well. Um, That'll but, uh, be. yeah, no, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I like it. I mean, I think they're going to, I believe baseball is home that weekend. Maybe. Um, yep. because yep. they're going to be doing the big game. Weekend. Yep. So yeah, that, uh, I think that's, it's perfect. Um, last year there was a little bit of rain, which kind of, for a little damper on the baseball game, but um, yeah, no, I, I think it's it, it's really cool. It, it keeps the interest on Gamecock athletics, and, and you know, it's, the spring game is. I mean, it's not a Saturday in September. Um, Saturday, you know, down south at South Carolina, you know, typical stuff. But I mean, the get big Gamecock weekend helps build up the hype for it um, as as much as you can. Mike, one thing I did want to get to before we did end it was the updated ranking for Dylan Stewart. Yes, thank you for reminding yes, me. Yes, you're welcome. Joe. Yeah, so yeah, one thing we I did want to get to before we closed is one of the Gamecocks' biggest targets um, at the defensive end position in the 2024 class, Dylan Stewart, was now named the number one overall ranked recruit in his class. Not just as a defensive end, but number one overall in the country Five-star recruit Dylan Stewart. I think it's going to be. Um, I guess Vandy is it or uh, baseball is it Vandy? Ashley, I was thinking last year. Then yeah. nice job, nice job, intern Joe and Mike. But continue, say, intern yeah. Joe. Thank you, Ashley. But anyways, um, yeah, no. So I think you know Dylan Stewart, really, 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 really big piece. I I was able to chat with Sterling Lucas and also chat with um dylan last summer if you guys want to go give that a read um it's on my twitter but yeah i mean i think sterling lucas was just from the jump i mean when dylan was a four-star recruit he's like hey 
watch this kid. Like this kid is like, we want him badly. And that was from the jump when he was a four star and just being able to watch him at camps and watch him, you know, just kind of, I mean, they pulled him off to the side and everything and just kind of hearing him talk about South Carolina. I think, you know, he's a heavy South Carolina lean. It also, I mean, the significance of him being from the DMV, we've seen the pipeline, a lot of stuff going on with Dylan. And I, I think, again, he's such a talented player. And I mean, Sterling Lucas is going to be the biggest weapon in his recruitment because Sterling Lucas has, you know, pulled him off, pulled him aside and, you know, watched film with him on his visits, really kind of taking him around, taking him under his wing. Um, so I, I think it's huge. Um, just kind of his, his, um, uh, Upgrade to, to number one overall as Mikey pull up the uh, the RPM and, and just his overall profile. Uh, on and, look at and look who it's there. And look who's right there. It's Maryland exactly. again. So, and you look at all this, right? The ACC, the Penn, you know, you're, you're in Big Ten territory as well, right? So you look mm-hmm. at all the Big Ten schools right here. I keep saying Maryland ACC. God, I got I to gotta update my life um, and realize that Maryland is no longer in the ACC uh, feels so weird still that they're in the Big Ten. But anyway, you look at what they're doing. To be able to go up in that area, and regardless of how this all turns out, one thing that it's hard to overlook is just the fact that they've had success. You can see on the side there's just an ad, Nicholas Harbor, because they have been able to get a guy like Harbor, because they've been able to go to that DMV area, be able to get a guy like Tree. So, um, again, head on over to on three. They have done a tremendous job with being able to show you kind of just everything in terms of where everything is. We've talked about RPM and how that kind of works, kind of give you a real-time feel with the recruiting process. One thing that's very neat is when you look at just the distance. I think that's always neat. Um, and goes to show you how South Carolina has really made their, feel, their program feel like home to him early on. Uh, because as you can see of these, you know, the top five, USC is the leader. And what do you notice the most, right? It's the furthest one away from home. So I think that speaks volume. If you want to go, one thing too, in turn, I do want to mention um, Mm -hmm. about Dylan. So he's currently number one now on on three, okay? The industry, on three industry, which gathers it all, okay, right? You notice that he's not even here, right? He's not even here. So on three is higher on him compared to 24-7, compared to rivals, compared to ESPN. ESPN's recruiting system. I, I, I can't figure that out anymore. I really can't. I don't even know who the heck works over there now and covers high school football recruiting. It's yeah. I, mean, I don't want to take a shot, but holy cow, that's gone downhill. Um, Dylan Stewart on three is higher on in comparison. So that's why if you see some of these numbers, wait a minute, you know, he's a four star by this company that on three has him as a five star. And the reason being is this is a kid that is really grabbing the attention of a lot of scouts. And um, he's someone that, you know, I'm not going to be surprised when you see 24 seven in rivals and ESPN start to get higher on him as we get closer to the summer, especially after having a tremendous showing at that, uh, at that combine out in Georgia this past week and that Wes Mitchell was at. So if you want to get more information about that, head on over to on three for that as well. Yeah, Mike. I mean, I, I, I think it's just, I mean, he does, I've, from what I've seen, he is the number one overall ranked recruit in the country kid is just a force. 
Um, and I've seen him at camp twice now. Um, but yeah, I mean, and granted, and like it's it's easier to look good in, in shoulder pads or without like in, in, in shorts and whatever. In shorts, but, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, but I mean, it he's he's got all of the intangibles. He's big. He can move guys. He's strong, fast, quickness. It's, it's all there. And if a guy like Sterling Lucas is very high up on you, like like a guy who's been working with professional athletes the last four or five, I, I can't remember how many years Coach Lucas has been in the NFL, but if a guy like that is very high on you and one is willing to take you under his wing and whatnot. I, I think, you know, it just screams how much potential he has and, and, and what it, what it means to him. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, coach Lucas pulls out all the stops. And I mean, obviously he's a guy that Beamer wants to get to It'd be nice to go get another defensive end, the number one overall ranked recruit again. And one last thing to note, the NFL combine is underway out in Indy and tomorrow the defensive linemen and linebackers will be taking to the field for their, field workout portion that will begin at 3 p.m you can catch all the action on the nfl network as well as fubu tv f-u-b-o tv do a free trial this week i don't really want to give them too much publicity because no free ads around here but check out jalen brooks javon gwen zach pickens darius rush and cam smith again defensive line they're going to be on center stage tomorrow on the field so if you want to see zach pickens running around they will be doing their coverage at 3 p.m i don't know exactly if the linebackers will be going first i don't know how they're breaking it all up but um d line and linebackers will be taking the field tomorrow defensive backs in place kickers special teams specialists they will be taking the field on friday and then qbs wideouts tight ends that will be on saturday and then on sunday you'll have offensive line and running back so if you want to check out darius rush on Friday for his workout. You can do that as well. And that will also be at three o'clock. Intern Joe, it was a good one. We hit on a lot tonight. If you've missed any of our program, you can go back and watch it in its entirety on the Gamecock Central YouTube page. Be sure to subscribe. It is free and also hit that alert button. So anytime there's a GC live program or any of our other Gamecock Central shows, as well as videos, just in general, you can get a notification and be sure to also Add Gamecock Central on your podcast platform, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can go back and listen to this show in its entirety, as well as other GC Live programs and Garnet Trust interviews as well. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuba. Appreciate you guys watching at GC Live talking Wednesday night. We'll be back at it again next week. Be sure to follow us on social media. We'll give you an update as far as what we're going to be doing with this program, because we've been bouncing it around a little bit back-to-back weeks. Now on Wednesday, we're trying to stay away from Tuesdays because of baseball, but we will give you an update as far as what day you can watch this show in its entirety moving forward. Yeah, intern Joe, he is the GOAT. Everyone have a good Wednesday night and have a good rest of your week. Enjoy the nice weather. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.